What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 136. I am sitting in paradise. I'm sorry if I sound much different than I usually do. I'm just doing this on AirPods for all you listeners who know I usually sound. But what up? I'm your host, Anthony Trapani, and I'm here with my resident homie, the professor, a.k.a. Joseph K. What up, Joseph? What's up, dude? Yeah, dudes, and uh, we're going to be missing the Gorilla Joel, and Casey will be in in a little bit. I I decided no matter what, I'm still going to pop in and hang out for an episode, at least for a little bit. Um, but yeah, dude, tonight we're in, we're joined by Embodied in, embodied Torment, lots of syllables I already am jumbling up, um, with jo- Joaquin and Mark. What up, dudes? How are you guys doing? It's great to be here. Yeah, dude. Thanks, going on. Super sick yeah. to have you guys. Finally, it's been a long time coming. Yes, sir. Another true Cali death episode. Yeah, dude. Um, we'll get I mean, into the whole. Truly. <laughs> uh, yeah, CA death. Exactly. We'll have to elaborate yeah. on that, but. Uh, yeah, we'll get into the whole band history and and your guys' story and everything. Um, but yeah, Anthony, just do. a little vacation update from Anthony. What's how's how's Hawaii, dude? Oh, I'm loving it, dude. I'm looking out at a beautiful, beautiful view right now. I've been watching my kids play in the ocean, play in the pool, barbecuing up some good shit. You know, just not really watching the clock, that type of stuff. You know, doing this place sober, doing this place sober is actually a trip too. I've never, I've never been to Hawaii and not drank, dude. It's actually pretty sick to get up early and, and, and not feel like shit in the morning here. So I'm stoked on that part. Sick. Yeah. Um, It's uh, yeah. I'll be back soon. Um, But yeah, until then I'm going to be not counting any seconds. Do you want to? Do you still want to do some plugs right now, or do you want to just? Yeah, we should do them, dude. Nah, dude, it's all good. Let's. uh, If I if I don't sound like a a heap of shit, then I'll do some battleforgecoffee.com. The homies in Deeds of Flesh, as always, we're plugging them up at the top. We respect them dearly. We love them dearly, and we love their company. They got a quality product, and. I think that anybody who is really into supporting underground death metal should also support some other side hustles that these artists that you know and love are doing. So battleforgecoffee.com is where you should be buying your coffee. And then and, uh, uh, I want to add, I had a shipment from Mike Hamilton, shout out the goat. And I got my battleforged coffee last few days and a t-shirt which is dirty which is why i'm not wearing it but i uh greatly appreciate that mike so thank you so much for that and shout yeah, out dude i repped my uh shirt on the at the airport and on the plane too hoping maybe somebody might catch it and google that shit up and buy from the homies dude nice and we and got for us cali.podcast.bigcartel.com got a couple t-shirts in stock um that's the way you support us guys that's the way you actually that's the only way you put money in the pocket of this show and that money 
will definitely just be put into another merch run as soon as we're done with this. So you help us out. We get to another situation where we've got new merch and you guys will be able to buy more shit and help us keep going with it. I mean, really, that's all it is. We just want to see you guys walk around and rep the show. That's it. We're not trying and, to make uh, money on that. Shout out Jack Wilson, who completed his collection of the existing Cali Death uh, merch inventory, and also to uh, Park Barrett, the last guy to order a shirt. And uh, shout out Kelsey. Sorry, I did not send your shirt or it didn't make it to you, but I am sending it to you. I said I would do it today, but I'll do it tomorrow, promise. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first, like, oh shit, like, unsatisfied customer alert but uh we're doing pretty good most of the almost all every single order till now so we're good so um, yeah it's all good um and also another double shout out to jack wilson just because i've mentioned it on the show before but he's been with us since the beginning of the show dude he was so um patient waiting for us to put merch out and we never did so he finally just said fuck it i'm gonna make my own and he owned the, he made it, got it made himself and had a, the first, still actually technically the first hoodie because there's only one and he has it, but it's the first piece of Cali Death clothing that somebody wore as well. He was like, these guys are too lazy to put shit together. I'm going to do it myself. So that, that's some diehard stuff for, in my eyes, for sure. Dude. So Jack Wilson, you always are a super fan of my eyes and rock on brother. Hell yeah! Cool man. Anything uh, else? Tours yeah, we want to we want to plug. Um, Embodied Torment are doing a run, so why don't we throw that flyer up on the screen, and you guys can tell us where you're headed and what this uh, tour represents to you guys. Uh, right on. So uh, yeah. So long story short, um, you know we're coming back from a long hiatus and uh we decided that one of the first things we wanted to do was like play some new states that we'd never been it lined up really well with um this run concluding in chicago domination fest uh at the end of july so we're starting out in brooklyn uh we're hitting pennsylvania ohio indiana um all on the way so we've got this nice little you know six date uh string of shows um that kick off next month um july 22nd oh yeah um, and, oh yeah and this is cool. and this is like uh coinciding with the release of the ep archaic bloodshed which is coming out on the 21st next month fuck yeah dude Brad. long awaited it's been almost 10 years since an embodied torment release so glad it's to see you guys while. coming out yeah. from under yeah. under the cave under the rock and seeing what's going on out here we've been out missing of the dungeon you. yep yeah, um, dude. I mean, I, I I look at that as it. I still respect bands that have you know have to take a little more time, and we were Odious is one of those bands too that has had to take time in between releases. But it, coming back and and still giving it what you are in in at that current place in your life, you know, and and saying okay, now I'm gonna focus again on another embodied torment release. I actually enjoy that a lot more because it it should at least show the difference of the human beings that that created those two releases 10 years apart from each other. There should be a, a, a difference. There should be a progression, maybe not a progression, but just like uh, 
um, more blossoming of those those humans that were involved since you got 10 years in between the two releases, you know? And it's exciting to hear like, you know, what would these people's influences that they've picked up in the last decade, you know, do to the next release and how much is it gonna be different from the previous? And that's the stuff that I actually like, but yeah, like never stopping, dude. That, that's the thing, like hiatus is a great word because it's always there for you if you ever want to, you know, jump back into the embodied torment bubble and work with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, just speaking for myself at least, and you know, I'm sure we'll have a chance to like get into the whole kind of story and, and the way the course that things have taken over the last, like, you know, almost 15 years now. But uh, yeah, I mean, there was a while where I wasn't sure if it was going to happen again. So, um, you know, I'm glad that it could just be a hiatus um and you know we've got some new faces on the new ep and i'm really excited with how it came out and so uh so yeah so i'm stoked to share it and to talk to you guys about it killer dudes so so, um uh, forgive my naivety but uh mark mark and walking are you guys original members who's original or both one so uh, i'm originally in the band mark has been with us the last few years Nice. Okay. So just because you've had more of a history with the band and stuff like that, Joaquin, we're just going to start with you then. Um, If you're a fan of the show, you know how we like to do it, dude. Just get back into that childhood mode and try and figure out one of those real early memories for us where we could plant the seed and then grow your timeline from there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, I think back to like really early childhood and stuff like that. And, and I always, as a kid kind of found music a little corny and like off-putting. So, uh, it took me kind of a while, uh, to get into it as I was growing up, but, um, you know, and I, I didn't grow up in like a super musical family, you know, my mom and dad liked to listen to, to things, but it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like I had a bunch of musicians, Um, you know, all my family were basically all like visual artists and what I was learning to do was like, uh, illustrate for comic books. And, and I imagine myself like, you know, being like maybe a, a fantasy illustrator or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, but when I was 13, I got a guitar because I was starting to get into heavier music and, uh, that sort of. So wait, real quick, wait, wait, wait. that was too big of a jump for me, dude. I no, gotta, go ahead. I gotta cut go you ahead. off there because yeah, yeah. you're going, cause I always like to talk a little bit about like, you know, you're talking about visual art and all that mm-hmm. being your introduction to the art life and creative thinking. And I, I started exactly that same way too. Mm-hmm. Music was not my first, um, thing that I wanted to put my creative energy into when I was young, it was drawing and painting and, and cartoons and comic books, just like you were mentioning, you know, and um, just to fast forward on me real quick, I'm thinking back, I used to get down on myself because I stopped drawing. And I used to think of myself as a fraud because I, 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 you know, I used to call myself an artist and now I'm, I wasn't doing what all, all the things I used to do. But then I, you know, after 
you know, thinking about my journey and realizing that it, we, there's something in the beginning of the human life that, that feeds the creative side of our brain, whatever it may be, it may never be the thing that you, you work with again from that point, but at least it's something that, that, you know, energizes or, or ignites something in that part of our brain to, to eventually get to the 13 year old that buys the guitar that wants to put his creative energy into something like that, you know? So the art life is such a blanket term for me, but I love to hear where it stems from because yeah, I ask where the music happens with people, but I should really be asking 136 episodes into it. When did art come into your life? You know, like, that's really sure. where it all starts, you know, where did the creative process start? It may not be in music. It may be in Legos. It may be in Play-Doh. It may be in fucking anything like that, but something that, that at least just like starts you rolling in a certain direction to eventually hit that. I'm going to create music or I'm going to create this, this and that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I guess I sort of jumped to like, what's a common thread in it all. But, um, but before that, like just thinking about what were the things that were inspiring me, um, you know, as a kid, uh, you know, you mentioned comic books, like comics were huge. Um, uh, of course, like as I, as I was starting to get into my, you know, say like 10, 11, 12, and um, I was reading a lot more uh, longer form fiction. I was like getting really inspired by, like fantasy novel covers, you know, things like uh, the totally. kinds of artists that were, that were doing like uh, um, actually one that I can think of would be like Jeff Easley was doing uh, like Dungeons and Dragons covers, which you would see the ads for in the comic books. And, you know, when I was like 10, I had no idea what Dungeons and Dragons was, but I knew that these illustrations were like phenomenal. Like if you yeah. remember, you know, 1992, these full page ads for, for some of these D and D books was like everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, I got really inspired by that. And I had a, actually a cousin of mine who, uh, went to California college of arts and crafts in Oakland. And, um, you know, he was doing like really spectacular illustration and he was, he was really dedicating himself to it. So he was a real inspiration to me and, um, you know, spent a lot of time hanging out around him, learning about, um, you know, the artistic process. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. Like I was starting to get into painting. I was thinking, okay, my next step is going to be like, I'm going to start working with acrylics and then maybe oils. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to do the, some of those like fantasy illustrations, or maybe I'll do, you know, maybe I'll, I'll stick to like pen and ink and I'm going to do more, uh, sort of comic book stuff, but, but it was all, you know, an inspiration to me. And I, and I think it was, uh, you know, especially like evoking a different, um, a different time and place, um, that was really, uh, that was really particularly inspirational. Um, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that sort of does naturally connect with what I ended up, you know, liking with music. Totally dude. And so then naturally you hit a cap, you hit a ceiling with that and you weren't getting what, what you wanted out of it. So you now you have a developed creative aspect of your brain that now wants to feed on something else. So you get to first let's hear about like 
the music that you were listening to that was influential and then let's build up to getting that guitar at 13. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, some of what I was listening to when I was just very first, you know, tentatively exploring music is just, it's just the stuff that like your parents are playing. So, um, you know, I was living with my mom and she really liked, um, you know, kind of like the, the, I guess like some of the more popular end of like sort of, you know, pop new wave kind of stuff. Um, yeah. so I was listening to lots of like talking heads and, um, you know, uh, the police and things like that around the house. And so that was sort of, those were some of the first things that, um, that I sort of heard critically. And, and, you know, you can almost hear like some of the, uh, some of the kinds of melodies that you hear from like Sting solo work, you'll hear some metallic sorts of, uh, you know, minor key work and stuff like that, that ended up, you know, was just like sort of part of my like deep musical vocabulary eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, but um but i actually uh you know i went through like uh a a rap phase uh because if you grow up in oakland like you know and you're going to you're going to school like you know i was going to get mocked mercilessly anyway if i didn't <laughs> but uh but uh you know i was listening to like you know guys like warren g and loonies especially because it was you know representing yeah. oakland and all that mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. I live. Uh, I grew up in Pacifica, yeah. right outside of San Francisco. Right. Dude, grew up in the '90s. Uh, there was no way you couldn't hear that stuff. It was, it was forced on you, basically. You know, right? In a right. good way, no. though, because I fucking love all that shit, dude. Still, yeah, to this yeah, day. definitely. Um, yeah, I sort of did like a 180, but now I can look back on it and appreciate it. You know, in a way that that like. Uh, you know, when I was first getting into like heavy music, uh, you know, I, I probably That's, couldn't. Yeah, de definitely. I felt that as well, dude. I, I even felt it enough to where I got rid of quite a few of physical copies of Bay classics that are worth a lot of money now today, dude. I kept right. a lot of them, but there's certain things that I got rid of because I was just like fucking death metal, dude. What the fuck do yeah. I need to keep this shit? You know, like it was totally i was totally being influenced by you know the pull of this new community that i was being a part of you know and nobody was talking about rap so i it's funny that was the second time in my life where i had to kind of hide that i was down with hip-hop because mm. of the whole rappers versus rockers thing of the 90s and i was in the middle of it the whole time but i i actually said fuck it i'm going to rap side for a while and then found extreme music and i was like ah, nope i'm on this and totally abandoned it for a little bit and now i'm like i love it all dude you know it's like anything that really shaped you as a person it's always still gonna have a nostalgic like static to it that no matter what you felt at some point in your life it's gonna just it's going to be there. It's, you're going to have, it's always going to have the hooks in you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. then you're hip, you're on the hip hop tip for a little bit. And then, uh, I want to know like the first time you actually heard like extreme music, like the, the abrasive sounds that we fill our ears with every day now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was actually, I don't know. I mean, it depends on where you draw the line at extreme, but, uh, 
I, I took a little bit of a maybe kind of an an odd route to it, uh, in the sense mm-hmm. that um, um, I think it was I think it was like '95, and there was that big special on TV, uh, the Beatles anthology, and believe it or yeah. not, it was it was like watching that with my folks um you know and at first i'm watching i'm like hate watching it because i'm like oh this stuff is so lame (laughs) you know this is like the most passe like thing i could possibly imagine and um but it it flipped some kind of weird switch in me because after i had gone through it and you know hate watched it all of a sudden like other other stuff didn't quite sound the same um there was like something that that got a hook in me and you know i ended up just like listening to nothing but the Beatles for like a year. Um, but they have some like really shockingly heavy stuff for the sixties you know, like a few songs in particular. And I just sort of intellectually knew like, okay, so this, this is sort of like heavy metal. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm really digging songs like Helter Skelter. So I should really check out metal and see what it's all about. And, and I just sort of did it from almost like a, like I was just investigating the genre, like academically. Um, and so, you know, I started to get into big names and just got classics like ACDC stuff, uh, you know, Metallica, Pantera, Megadeth, like everything that was big at the time, obviously, as well. So this is like 96. Um, yeah. And, and then I love, I love, cool real quick, sorry to cut you off. I just, before we get too far away from it, I love the idea and, and it's come up a few times on the show hearing people say things like you had just said with the Beatles. It's like metal has this uh, subconscious Trojan horse that it sends into your psyche when you listen to these, like you were saying you were hate listening. You didn't, you weren't really getting it, but it still snuck some shit in on you and upgraded your system to where once you you kind of subconsciously learned the basics of the language of metal while you were being resistant to it in the first place and it still snuck it in on you. i love that <laughs> yeah 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 it was totally against my will so. <laughs> totally yeah. Okay, so then you're now you then then you're hooked. You're you're digging. Uh, socially, friends are they finding the same stuff with you? And you guys are feeding each other. Or are you kind of doing it on your own? What's that all about? Yeah, actually, some of my friends were kind of um, you know receptive to the same stuff, and some of them were getting into it kind of you know on their own. Um, and so you know, I had a like a couple of friends who were kind of my metal buddies, and we were exploring you know, Iron Maiden and Metallica and, and, um, you know, sort of the big, the canon of, of, uh, of the genre, you know, together. And, um, yeah, we actually started playing music a little bit together, uh, a couple friends in particular. So, um, you know, this is the time when I got my guitar and when I got the guitar, uh, that's, that's when I stopped doing any kind of visual arts. And it, it wasn't that like I, you know, it wasn't that I like soured on it or anything like that. I was just so yeah. pulled into guitar that I just couldn't imagine like spending time on anything else. Anymore. We have, we all have a finite amount of that creative energy I was just mentioning. Yeah. So if you're going to, if you're going to use it, 
and you're totally all in on something, unfortunately, there is sacrifices you have to make, you know? Right. Yeah. So you make that sacrifice. You're like, all right, look, we're, we're going in on the six string. Let's fucking see what this thing is all about. So talk about that a little bit. Was it just figuring out sounds where you, where you starting to hit the books and really focus on learning immediately? Well, I mean, my, like my parents were pretty excited about it and they, um, you know, they wanted to, to link me up with, um, with a guitar instructor. So I was getting lessons, um, you know, out there in the East Bay and, um, you know, my, I had a very cool teacher who kind of had a bit of a metal background himself and, you know, he would help me, um, you know, like transcribe songs by ear so I could learn stuff by like Testament and Slayer and, and all this stuff that I'm getting into at the time. And, um, but he's also teaching me theory. So I'm getting, um, you know, a decent kind of education. Um, and, you know, doing some of this like sort of garage jamming with my friends. And, uh, you know, we're recording these little these little jam tunes that we're putting out and, uh, and stuff like that. And yeah, I was just really immersed in it. Um, there was even, you know, one of the one of the things that was really formative, actually, just just in terms of like, the exploration one thing that i left out there was this amazing um like magazine that was like a one-off by metal maniacs uh that was like the that was called the history of heavy metal it came out in i want to say 96 and it was like an encyclopedia so it had all these bands that you know because it's like pre-file sharing it's pre-streaming services of course um you know i'm like trying to find them one at a time at, at like Rasputin in Berkeley or, you know, Amoeba or Tower Records or whatever. And, you know, might go to guitar lessons, then go pick up a, a CD from, you know, whatever. And I, I remember seeing like incantation on the rack and I didn't know what to think of it. And I was like, oh man, this, this looks really cool. Um, you know, mm -hmm. some, you know, just like, it's just, just that sort of that way of exploring things, which I know, you know, comes up quite a lot when, uh, you know, when people who've, who've, I guess, been listening for more than, you know, 20 years or so, uh, come on the show, but it's just, you know, it was, it was kind of a fascinating experience. Totally. Uh, it makes it, it makes things kind of more worth it, more sought after because you're digging through bins and finding magazines and doing your own research. You're digging with your own hands metaphorically to get through these get down to the nitty gritty of what's under the roots of all this shit. And yeah, dude, I, I, I fantasize, I fantasize about going back in time to the feel, refeel those feelings of you got a stack of money and all you want to do is just go to Amoeba, hit the metal section and flip every fucking CD in the U section and try and come out with the biggest stack that has the most quality every fucking time you know yeah. and then you drive home and you're fucking frantically flipping in cds to hear the first few tracks to see how good each one is make a note of which ones you want to listen to more and then the next, the rest of the day is just all taken up by by absorbing what you possibly could have found it's like gold digging you know yeah, now it's just know, so everywhere. And now you just go to Spotify and it's all on Spotify. Well, actually, no, the right. underground shit is still hard to find. That's on true. Services. 
So I'm like, ha, yeah. I still get to I still get to break out this physical copy, motherfuckers. I'm not going to YouTube and watching ads all the time. I'm gonna break it out and listen to it on my stereo. <laughs> That's nice. right. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really immersing yourself in each release that you got, like studying the liner notes, obviously, uh, which is like the often these days you can't, I mean, very frequently these days, like even on current releases, you can't get that level of detail or, um, you know, personal, like individual information about the band members and things like that. There's, there's a different kind of window that you got when the band is like deliberately crafting something that they want to be, you know, their, their sort of like their acknowledgements. And when, mm -hmm. uh, when the reader is really going to sit down and like spend some time with the text, it's just, it's a really different experience than I love like, it, you know, like skimming and, you know, the extremely limited amount of information that you get with like a stream popping on or something like that. Yeah. Right. I love listening to I love listening to music and reading the lyrics along with vocalists because I'm a vocalist and obviously this genre of music it's very hard to understand most of us. So reading along with dudes is what I would like to do. But also we've mentioned it many times, those thanks lists, dude. Those thanks lists were were gold mines in the sense that it's like here's all the things that we're influenced by. Here's all our homies and here's all the people that we we actually respect and want people to know about. And then us as listeners of that band are, for example, like Cephalic Carnage, dude, that song that they put out that was a thanks list on Exploiting Dysfunction. You read that whole uh thanks list as the lyrics and then you go check out all those bands you know if you haven't heard mm -hmm. one of those bands you're like Fuck yeah dude it's a new band to go check out or whatever and that was what it was all about and that's i think that's that's the the fell like the the family aspect of our underground community is that we always want to prop the homies up we want to we always want to make sure that it there isn't something that's going to get left in the wake everything that we've gathered as relics along the way that we think is the greatest you know representations of the shit that we love about this music we want to pass it to everybody else make sure that they stay afloat you know and that's i think that that and i know i'm going on a tangent with this but now it's just making me think that it's like i think that's the whole reason why underground death metal or underground extreme music in general will never die because of that that um humbling family aspect of things that it's like nobody is trying to get ahead of everybody else we actually want everybody to to move together and and grow together yeah well community is definitely yeah i mean it's it's like the most resilient thing about um you know any kind of art is the community that it that it creates i mean you know the art itself right. is immortal and people can come afterwards and be inspired by it but um the community around it gives it so much more meaning and and not just that but also um you know the ability to like the ability to endure in people's consciousness um so mm -hmm. you know death metal community might be relatively small compared to like popular genres but it's um very very resilient uh by comparison and dense yeah yep most definitely dude all right so you're jamming with dudes after the guitar like what kind of stuff what 
I, I always remember how cool it was the first time I played a full song with, with other human beings, you know, that, that feeling, but like, what were you guys trying to, to, uh, do together? Was it covers? Did you guys start writing material or how'd that happen? We pretty much like jumped into playing, you know, original stuff right away. Like we, we did a little bit of like, uh, you know, play some, play some parts of songs and, and things like that, but we never, we never really tried to cover anything in particular. Um, but for us, you know, the, the real touchstones were like Metallica, Megadeth, Iron Maiden. And, you know, if we could write stuff that we thought was, uh, you know, at least gesturing in that direction, then we were happy with, with what we were doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean that, that period, that period was really formative for me, but it was just like a year of when I was playing guitar, um, you know, and, and hanging out with, uh, you know, my best friends out, out there in the Bay. Um, and then, you know, I ended up moving out to, to Davis with my family, you know, Davis college town by Sacramento. And, yep. um, that was kind of like, uh, you know, that kind of represented like a different phase. Um, because, you know, I was no longer jamming with my friends and I ended up, you know, getting kind of absorbed in all kinds of other stuff, like, you know, loads of geek stuff, like gaming and, uh, you know, hanging out with like theater friends and, and all kinds of, all kinds of other things. Um, but I, I did keep playing guitar and the thing that was, um, you know, particularly formative musically for me, um, uh, was, uh, actually my English teacher was the guitarist in the band Cypheria which a lot of people, in fact, I know Anthony's a, like, he's stepped away right now, but he's going to remember. <laughs> he's, he's got to remember Cypheria. Yeah. He's a were, bad time to leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, but I went with, uh, John was the guitarist and I went to like countless shows with John, um, like starting in like 97, you know, seeing like Satis, seeing Morbid Angel and Nile, um, you know, touring for like formulas and catacombs and um, saw Angel Corpse, saw like just just countless incredible like tours coming through as a teenager. Um, so that was like that was really what sort of brought me into like more extreme stuff and uh, death metal in particular. Wait, so who's John? Is John the friend of yours or the English teacher guitarist? John, John was the English teacher here. Okay. Um, out here who was the guitarist in cypheria gotcha yeah. so that's one of the same okay got it right. um so he was like your teacher but then ended up being like your friend yeah yeah exactly um so you know he he would like you know host um he would host like a little guitar club at the high school for like students who you know played guitar if they wanted to come in and and talk about that um, but also he was just, you know, his band was like opening for every sick tour that came through Sacramento. So, uh, so I got in and, and saw like a ton of shows that way. So it was, it was just, it was really incredible. Hell yeah. Um, you want to just, uh, catch Anthony real fast up on, uh, the band Cypheria, Anthony, you've heard of them. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. So, so John, so like, John Oster was one of my teachers out here at, at the high school. And so oh, I went and hung out with the Cypheria guys for years, for several years. And, you know, just saw like 
every sick tour you can name that came through Sacramento or often, you know, San Francisco, like, uh, you know, Morbid Angel, Nile, uh, you know, just uh, Immolation and Incantation when they were touring in 99 together. Angel Corpse. Yep. Yeah. Just yeah. You know, sort of repeating, you know, what I shared earlier. But um, yeah, it was it was really awesome. Like those. Did those you ever really meet Jared Beaver? You know, I I never met Jared back in the day, but I knew who Jared was. Um, Mm -hmm. I met, well, I met um, Rob, uh, rest in peace, when he was playing with Cypheria. Um, And, you know, like Tom Persons, who had played with Pessimist, was in the band, you know, at various times. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, just, yeah, met, met all kinds of, all kinds of cool people. And, you know, looking, these are like my heroes when I'm 15, 16, so... Uh, it was right. a really cool time. Very cool, cool. Anybody we've mentioned them before, but anybody wants to check them out, Cypheria is a really cool underground symphonic death metal band that came out of California. That I've always thought that they would have gone a little bit further than they did, but they they deserve their uh, their flowers. So go check them out for sure. Um, I wanted to see if Mark wanted to hop in and just kind of go through the origin story about getting into metal where are you growing up mark is it canada am i right yeah i'm in canada so my story is basically completely the opposite oh um, yeah <laughs> i grew i as a canadian i grew up wanting to play hockey like i was going to make the nhl that's where i was at um music for me was just pump up music like sports arena gets you hyped up music um mm-hmm. What I'm remembering is a lot of Queen. Um, that that's pretty much all I remember from <laughs> from growing up. I want to hear the song that that would pump you up the most before a hockey game when you were a kid. Like, did you have uh, a one will... song that you had you had to? Oh yeah, yeah. We had "We Will Rock You." Um, we <laughs> yeah. used to play it on our pants, like we'd hit our legs, and then and we'd all get into it, and that's that's what got us into it and like to this day i still love queen and everything they've done so hell yeah dude yeah so me, my mom was always i of the tiger dude i of the tiger yeah that's song because yep. we were the tigers in football dude so i was just we were in the locker room like just makes sense banging our hands against the fucking lockers like yeah i of the tiger and then we go out and fuck shit 100 yeah so so music for me originally was more like pump up music, like stuff that I didn't really see it as a thing. Um, but my yeah. mom would always show me music. Like she's a big Beatles fan, um, but she also likes like Platinum Blonde and Bon Jovi. And yeah, my mom's way cooler than <laughs> a lot of people would ever think, you know. Um, but, but then when I became, um, when I got into grade nine, and I was like fully immersed in hockey. Like I was the next pro, you know, um, I got cut from the team and I was devastated and I needed something else to keep my mind like going and at ease. And I knew I was taking music the second semester of uh, high school. So I decided mm-hmm. why not take guitar lessons? Yeah. So I started taking guitar lessons, from, uh, a local guy. Um, I'm from Stratford, Ontario. Um, we all know a pop singer from there and the guy taught me literally everything. He taught me how to tap before that was a thing. Um, he taught me so much theory knowledge and everything. 
And I was with him for about a year. And then I went into grade 10 and I started doing grade 11 guitar um, because I had learned so much. And that's when I met a buddy of mine and he was like, he was just playing Meshuggah in the back. Like, and I was like, what's this stuff, you know? And he was like, hey, if you want to play bass, you can be in my band. So I bought a bass and joined his black death metal band. And that's kind of how the whole process started. What was that? What was the name of that band? Uh, it was called Nakatharal. Oh, Nakatharal. Uh, and you were uh, yeah. Zoomlar in that band. That's that's <laughs> correct. Yeah, that's been my nickname since then. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> nice. Having yeah. Metal Archives you, open. You, uh, is yeah, nice. give us wow. a little back Impressive. give us a little backstory on the choice of that name the backstory of my name yeah of zoomlar cool for sure so uh we were a black metal band every black metal artist has like a name right they're not it's it's not right. mark it's not walking it's not anthony right it's it's shagrath it's vortex <laughs> it's hellhammer right mm, so right. um Back in the day, we didn't like the band Burzum. We thought they were a joke. So I became Mark right. Zum. <laughs> and then that that was me for a bit. And then there's a South Park episode where they go to the planet Marklar. And all the nouns are Marklar. So then we were like, yeah. just take out the Mark. It's Zumlar. And the H, H's are true in black metal. So that's why there's an H. So that's why it's Zumlar. <laughs> Love it, dude. That's, I'm gonna yeah, have to listen like, to that again to catch it all. <laughs> that's a lot of lore. <laughs> into one yeah, day. it's it's yeah, it's it's nothing too crazy, but that's that's what happened. And you know, no, I dude, still I have love, buddies I'm, that. It's funny that black metal is something that's so serious, and and you can make a parody of it, and nobody even would bat an eye. Like they they would take that name seriously. Like, oh, it's probably from some ancient folklore of some sort he has come across. And oh, his... yeah. Wait, so which letters are true and which letters are, like, false and what makes the letter oh, true? Oh, yeah. What, what so we, we always... Cult, the number one letter. So we always just said that H is a true black metal letter. So I had to throw it into my name. So that's why that's why it's there. And I mean, they, hell starts with H, dude. They replaced the U's with V's, as in the true with the V there. So V is yep. V is true, and U U's not. U is false. Is that how it works? It's false, dude. As, okay. as far as I know, but that I didn't get that to. So okay, I gotta <laughs> I gotta ask yeah. Nurgle about it, I guess, or something. But <laughs> yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that. That's kind of my roots into the heavy music, I guess, as you could say. Nice. So how long how long were you jamming with those guys? Um, probably about six or seven years. Um no shit. So it was the first the first thing you ever did and you stuck with it for that long? It went for that long? Yeah, I I've I've quit one band in my whole life and I've been in countless i always usually see it until it fizzles out so that's that's yeah, interesting that's generally how it that's, goes 
Yeah. That's actually, that's actually a good thing to have on your resume. Like, Hey dude, I'm not going to be the one to quit. I'll be here <laughs> until the shit fucking dies, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so, um, yeah. And that band went through a lot of, a lot of stuff too. Like our drummer died three days before a show and we still played the show. Like, geez. Oh yeah. We, we went through Ooh. some stuff. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. Okay, so then, so it fizzles out. What what's your move yep. from there? So, um, so every band I was in, the first three bands I was in, they were all very monumental in teaching me about new metals and stuff and new bands and stuff like that. So my next move um, was a was a more thrashy tech kind of band from London called Escatus. Um, and again, all older guys that like, you know, drummer was 40 and I was 22 when I joined. Mm -hmm. um, but techie, thrashy stuff that, you know, we jammed five days a week so that the drummer could continue on like playing because he was old and now as an old man, I understand it. Um, yeah. But it was fun as hell. And they taught me like, you know, all the older stuff. I kind of skipped over Metallica, Iron Maiden. Megadeth, Creator, Carnivore. I skipped that because I went from corn to like really? animal corpse, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so that, you know, Escatus kind of taught me the the older stuff and the thrashier stuff. Um, like we Shit. played with Anvil. Um, nice. And then I met Orchidectomy when I was playing with Escatus. We were playing with, I think, Putrid Pile or Angel Corpse or something like that. Um, so then that's the next chapter was when I joined Orchidectomy. Right on. Sick. And then uh, those it, guys are the guys that taught me like, you know, all the extreme shit that kind of changed my whole life. So. Yeah. So they were only around for a little bit, right? Orchidectomy? Yeah. Yeah. So they had the first demo in 05, which is when I met them. And then they were recording the album in 06, I believe. And that's when I was joining them. And then we did another two song demo in 08. And then I think we dissolved in 09. Okay. I needed to check out that record. It's um, a name that that I've heard of many times. It, I was going to say it was a name that Joseph definitely would plug on the show at some point. <laughs> He's always saying those crazy names, dude. What's the, <laughs> what's, uh, there's some other names that you said that I still can't pronounce to this day of some bands. And let's, I mean, let's, yeah, this is not organectomy. It's orchidectomy. It's not the band. Orchidectomy. That, that's correct. Not yeah. the band that uh, Ian's thinking he might've heard. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Mark is, Mark is like overly, uh, overly humble about it, but yeah, that's like a legendary album of prelates attrition. So yeah. Yeah. Big Hell yeah. And, okay. and because of that album and that um, era for me, that's why everything else has happened to me. Um, I joined Embodied because they were fans of Orchidectomy. As far as I know, Joaquin, like I could be wrong, but that's, that was the story <laughs> I was told. So, <laughs> uh, so well, that's, well, you know, there was more to it, but yeah, that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No. That is, but that's the next step you took from 
uh, orchidectomy to embodied? Or was there no, uh, no. band in between? <laughs> okay. No, yeah, I uh, I joined a tech tech death metal band from London called Ataxia. Mm. Um, and uh, we did some stuff. We played LVDF. Um, super into super. I was super into tech death. As a Canadian, you can't be. You can't <laughs> not be into super tech death. Like I see the first fragment hat. Like yeah. you know what I mean. Like that's that's it's ingrained in us. As soon as we start playing death metal, we have to play tech death. Mm, um, right. So yeah, I joined Ataxia. Blair Blair on Cryptopsy. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. No, I exactly. So I joined Ataxia. I joined another band called Mullet Corpse, which was like uh, Beneath the Massacre kind of style. Like eight string guitars, super flashy, tappy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. and then I think that's it. And then that's when Embodied Tournament happened. So that's so like 2016 did, around then. How did that happen? Is that something just that happened through email? You guys gotten or friends on Facebook? How did all this this happen? You guys oh. meet each other at shows or some shit? I'll actually never forget how it happened. I was at work and I believe it was Boxing Day. And I was listening to the Embodied Torment album. And uh, mm. Cindy, the original drummer, sent me a message and was like, hey, we need a bass player for tour. Would you be interested? And I was like, you got to be you got to be kidding me. Like, like, I'm literally listening to the album right now. And she was like, no, we're serious. Like, we'd like you because we're fans. And I was like. And for oh. me, I, I follow the synchronicities a lot in my life, dude. So that would have been like, OK, I yeah. have to say yes. <laughs> you know, and like you were saying before, like communities and stuff right like if it wasn't for the death metal community i wouldn't have had this opportunity so why would i not so right yeah totally and the fact that you're listening to the band as they contact you to be in it you're like mm, could have been listening to anything else dude but i yeah. was listening to them and they called so okay. something's happening yeah. here maybe i should see this through oh yeah so was that the uh was the the tour you were asked to do was it the uh disentomb headlining headliner tour no that was no it was the following bit. year okay was yeah, it, it was the, the following year sanity tour nope it was I, the he, you just opened that one at the sacramento he's got the, he's got the flag right behind him <laughs> it was the uh, That's right. it was the omnipotent hysteria face of oblivion there. tour. yeah yeah uh, okay yeah um I think I saw Embodied twice. Once was on that Disentomb tour I mentioned. The other was uh, at the Colony opening for Defeated Sanity. Um, but you weren't on that tour. So I just want to make sure I don't put out the impression that you did that or anything as a full tour. But um, no, 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 I didn't. Okay. Um, or that the band didn't. Yeah. But okay. So what was, what was the tour lineup that you did do with them? The first one? So the first one I did was uh, Omnipotent Hysteria and Face of Oblivion. Those are band names. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, that familiar. was in 2016, Sorry. right? Got it. Uh, yeah, Omnipotent yeah. Hysteria is from England and Face of Oblivion was Minnesota. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Well, since we got to where you joined, we have to go back to the formation of Embodied Torment now and like kind of catch us up to that um of course touching on the demos the record 
the earlier tours, uh, all the previous members. So maybe Joaquin, you want to just take it away from here where you guys, you know, where, where embodied torment began. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd kind of mentioned that, that like, I wasn't really seriously pursuing anything to do with music for a while. Um, you know, it was, it was just sort of filling my hobby space with like nerd stuff. Um, and, uh, but I did keep playing guitar. Like, you know, I might let a couple of weeks go by here and there, but I just, I just kept it going. Uh, you know, I had a, had my half stack in my bedroom all the time. Um, you know, I, I like never went too long without thinking about doing it even though, you know, it was kind of slow. I was kind of slow to really like put any intention into it because I just didn't have like musician friends at the time. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, um, I guess, you know, one of the things that was really formative was, um, I went off to grad school and, um, a few months in basically I, I kind of came to a, a realization like i had a little bit of an existential crisis and i was like you know what um you know i i went here to study history and to become a history professor and i'm realizing now that i would rather have my name like in the liner notes of an album than on the spine of a book and it was like that's it i should not stay in this program um and it was like really hard um, it was this really emotional uh, kind of thing to do because it was such a big deal um, to have oh, gone yeah. off and you know, plan to get my PhD and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how I was going to like make a living or anything like that. So, um, right. but it was just, it, it was just way too clear in my head. So, um, you know, I was actually part of, part of what inspired this was I was actually jamming with some friends out in Chicago who, um, you know, each of them had like multiple, like each of them was in sick bands. Um, like there was, uh, Scott and Alan who had a band, um, called, uh, solacism and, um, they had jammed with guys who had been in, in Turnacine, you know, the band with like Jared Anderson Jared, and, yep. uh, and I, be- I, I don't want to, I don't want to get it wrong, but I think Nick, was it Nick McMaster who had been in, in Turnacine? Anyway, I don't, I don't want to get it wrong. Cause I'm like forgetting names a little bit right now, but, um, but, uh, you know, just playing with those guys was really inspiring. I was like, you know, I've got to, I've got to make time for this in my life. So, um, so ended up, um, kind of deciding that I was going to go and, uh, that I was basically going to go home cause I'd moved out to Chicago for grad school, um, with my girlfriend who is now my wife. And, you know, we like, um, but you know, we were like, she was really supportive all the way through. Um, you know, she, she could tell that, that it was clearly like the right thing, um, for me. So we ended up moving back home. Um, and you know, it took like a year or two to kind of link, start linking up with people, but I started going to underground shows. I started doing, um, a, uh, started getting involved in a radio show. Um, at the you know underground uh, radio station here and doing you know DJing and doing metal and uh, yeah and then and then I ran into uh, Matt and Cindy and we got Embodied Torment started. Uh, I got to so interject. Yeah. You have yeah. you have the perfect radio voice. It's so cool that you maybe it's from doing radio and you kind of like toned it that way, but it's 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 a nice. I want to say baritone. I don't know if that's true, but 
Well, I've, heard, I've definitely have had some practice doing it, uh, like kind of doing the presenter voice. But um, yeah, no, no, I guess I, I guess I got lucky on that one. Um, it's, it's, I, I could hear you talk for a long time, man, especially good audio quality. It's coming through nice right now. So, oh, well, well, much appreciated. Yeah. Um, um, I want to yeah, so. I want to just uh, shout out the the uh, grad school dropout thing or, you know, for me, I, I didn't quite drop out as much as fizzle out, um, but related uh, to that. And uh, I know we've talked about this before. But the idea of, you know, wanting to be in some liner notes rather than have a book or something like that, that I wouldn't have put it like that or I wouldn't have thought of it like that. Um, but I remember so many times in grad school just like thinking, man, I would, you know, more for me, it was being jealous of people who were getting to do metal. And and even though I knew that they were just as poor as I was or going to be or whatever as a grad student, but it was more just like, you know, in grad school, your prospects are writing a book that gets read by like a few hundred people. I'm like, even if I record an album that 2000 people listen to, that's 10 times more, you know? So it's funny, these little scales of influence it, it that is, I shoot for. And it also makes me think like, you know, the term taking the, the leap or chance to start a career in music, just in music in general, um why do we take the chance when we know like there pretty much is nothing in it financially for us why what is it that we're sitting in class you know trying to learn about whatever career that may give us hundreds of thousands of dollars why are we thinking about being on stage playing death metal what is it about it like really what is this is it just more of a potent drug in the sense of i don't know like what it, what is the experience that 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 makes us as death metal musicians take a chance like that literally jump from you know getting your phd to wanting to dive head in on on this which i'm not bagging i'm not saying that's a bad decision or whatever sure what is the drive what is it that gives us the drive to still take that chance when anybody else around the death metal bubble would be looking at us like idiots like that's the worst chance in all of you know starting a career in music basically because <laughs> it's, it's such a niche thing well, it's, you know, what I like to think of is that, um, you know, people definitely talk about it as, as doing music is, is, a you know, it's a passion, but there's a, there's an etymological linkage there in that passion means suffering. Like it literally, that's where, that's what the root actually means. Um, and so there is a sense that you're just like driven to it and that you'll suffer for it. Um, right. and you know, everyone kind of has like different degrees and, um, you know, I'm not the sort of person who's like suffered like some people, uh, you know, I've kind of done this to some extent, like a weekend warrior, but I take it really seriously, uh, when I do it. Um, but it is, it's like that, that drive, like you just feel like you have to do it. 
Um, and there's the like this unspoken yeah. feeling that we get on stage or when you, you discover that riff you've been trying to discover in a jam session for the next song, you know, and boom, that's the riff. It just, it's now it's in reality, like those feelings are, are what we're always shooting for, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just unspoken that feeling. It's so powerful though that we will take those deeper chances to go out on the road and and do it every night to see if we can chase that that one feeling that we got that i mean everybody's played in front of a crowd that was live and fucking everybody was you know they came to fucking party and and the bands were on point and the sound was good like everything all the boxes were checked on that night and and just all the energy levels are turned up to maximum and yeah that's that's basically what it is dude it's not money it's not this not it's just literally to feel that that feeling for as long as we can even if it's a half an hour set you know it's enough for us to keep going and take those crazy chances of like no nah, it's, it's seeing that one kid something. that has never heard of you before sorry it's it's seeing that one kid in the crowd that's never heard of you or is just getting into death metal just losing their mind because of what you're creating you know exactly. and that's what keeps bringing me back you know it's 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 the relationships between you know the family the the, the death metal mm -hmm. family right like right dude. we're all in different parts of north america right now and we're just hanging out talking like we've been known each other forever you know what i mean and <laughs> That, right. that's what it's about that's why i keep coming back yeah it's like this weird like collective consciousness thing that happens in those environments really like become part it's like it is we jumped into we we got into this little like pumping hive and it's pumping out this certain energy that we're all putting into it and and we're just and, and experiencing it dude like and i love it i haven't you know live shows are fewer and far between but still i i always remember feeling that feeling dude of just like i'm on the same wavelength as 300 people right now like the whole world outside of this building has no idea about this wavelength that we're all on in here you know and it'd be some sick fucking bit like BTBAM or some shit, just fucking blowing your mind the whole set and just everybody's in a trance, you know? Yeah. I guess that's, we're answering in that question right there. It's like, these are the whole reasons why we do this, dude. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, still, uh, you know, no, it's it's definitely underground, but I think there's more and more like respect with being a underground musician these days. Um, the scene seems pretty healthy. Uh, the you know global economy is shit, and that's affecting the underground for sure. Uh, but I think people are doing their best to keep it going throughout it. Um, and I just wanted to ask: we have uh, some time. On, you know a long podcast so i hope i can ask one more digression into 
uh, Joaquin's past. What what did you uh, study in grad school? What area of history was it? European history, and I'm asking that because of embodied torments, lyrical content. Yeah, the subject matter, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I basically like the sort of the entry point for me was, I mean, broadly you could say it was just like early medieval northern Europe, northern and central Europe in particular. And um, I was kind of fascinated by it because it's kind of an understudied, like underappreciated time, even in um, even among medievalists to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the subject matter that I was like starting with was um, was like Saxon ethnogenesis as a result of of the, uh, you know, the like uh, Carolingian expansion into into Saxony, which is like to say northern Germany, basically um in the you know eighth and ninth centuries so this is kind of like my entry point and uh you know cur- uh, like i returned to it on the ep like that's the subject of the song tongue of iron um mm-hmm. which was really fun to go back to and like do these readings again and and kind of go back to primary sources and stuff like that so um so yeah you know i uh i still i still really enjoy it like um sort of the the process of like reading history i don't read anywhere near as much as I would like to, um, these days. But, uh, but when I have time to immerse myself in it, like it's just, it's, it's still what I, what I enjoy the most, um, you know, academically, it's like, it's what I like, um, intellectually, it's like history and, you know, aesthetics and theory and music. And it's like, there you go. Nice. So, uh, coming out that you are back in California. You meet Cindy and Matt. What are they up to when you meet them? Are they playing in bands already? So they're hey, already jamming. Sorry, I got, yeah. sorry, I gotta cut you off, guys. Um, I'm being called to go barbecue right now. And uh, thanks for your time, Anthony. But, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. dude. I wish I could have stayed for the whole thing, dude. But even though go enjoy Hawaii, dude. Get the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. I still wanted to hang with you guys for a little bit. Hang with the the people that are in the chat right now what up y'all and to all that's going to listen to this afterwards just wanted to pop in and say what up get a little chat going with you guys but yeah have a great rest of your guys's pod and uh i'll see you guys next week nice to meet you mark and joaquin dude yeah great to meet you too nice to meet you too man i'll follow up with you guys oh yeah hell yeah right on guys cheers buddy Okay. Whoa. That is the Whoa. smallest amount of people we've had on the pod in a while. Okay. Um, so let me just re-ask my question. So Matt and Cindy, uh, two of the, uh, you know, important members in Embodied Torment's career, what are they up to when you meet them? Yeah. Yeah. So they're, um, they're jamming at the time and, um, they're they're looking to put something together and we run into each other at sacramento city college where like i'm just i'm taking a couple of classes to kind of like um you know like work on my guitar chops and kind of get back into the swing of playing and uh actually learn like you know audio engineering things like that um things that i could actually maybe hopefully like earn a living doing uh because you come out of grad school for history you have like you know, what are you going to do with that? Um, you know, I could, I could make coffee for people. Right. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, um, yeah, so I run into them and, um, you know, we start talking about playing some death metal. Um, they have a few songs that they've already worked on. It's very like, very kind of old school death metal, um, feeling stuff. 
Um, but we all like, um, you know, kind of the more extreme end of things, uh, you know, things like Disgorge. Um, and increasingly, we're really getting into like Brodekin, um, you know, internal suffering. Um, some of this stuff that really like pushes, uh, pushes the tempo, pushes the envelope. Some, you know, what I would kind of point to is like this whole sphere of like hyper blasting death metal. Anything that like crosses over a certain BPM threshold and it starts to just feel like a different thing unto itself to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we start to, um, once I start to write stuff for the band, it kind of pushes like, you know, I'm, I'm really motivated to push like more and more in that direction. And, and, um, Cindy in particular was like really down. Um, so uh actually one thing I, sh- I should point out we get our original bassist uh david um very early on when we all just start jamming together and uh we just all hit it off like we're working really well together um and we put together a demo with like the you know the first few songs that we all have and uh we start playing shows within a few months and uh you know we just like we got really busy around the local scene like just playing all the time um trying to you know build some credibility and build some stage experience and uh we're writing new stuff and uh actually um for a while early on we have two guitars because uh casey ryle who went on to to play with uh and he's actually still in the odious construct um he was on uh guitar as well at the time mm-hmm. um but uh yeah so we start um you know, we just start trying to like push the envelope more, um, you know, and, and as we're sort of developing the sound and, and figuring out kind of what, um, you know, what the thrust of our music is really going to be, like what sort of identity it's going to have, um, you know, we, we kind of dive into like the historical lyrical matter. And, um, you know, I was happy to do that because I think it's cool. And, you know, I had something to offer to the band in that respect in terms of like the uh, the, you know, knowledge that I've, that I've accumulated and, um, yeah. And then, uh, we actually put together, you know, we decide like, we want to put together something that's going to showcase like our evolution as a band. And we put together this, this promo for the song Kyphonism, mm-hmm. um, in 2013. And we do like this little mini tour in California, Nevada, Arizona. And, um, that's when we met dan osborne and we're you know we're like just really upfront with him we're like dude we love your label new standard elite we would love to like put out our music with you and you know he's down um he he really enjoyed that we uh we did a a a brodekin cover judas cradle Mm -hmm. uh to close our set on that run and um you know because we're kind of trying to make a statement like about you know what uh I guess, you know, what, what sort of, um, what sort of sound we want to put out there and how, how we want to, uh, sort of push, you know, push like brutal death metal back towards this, you know, just like really high aggression, blasting speed first, you know, speed forward kind of, uh, kind of sensibility, um, which is, you know, kind of where our hearts are. So, so we do that and then we, uh, you know, we, we get some really sweet gigs along the way, you know, play Las Vegas death fest and stuff like that. And, uh, we got to work on 
the album, which became Liturgy of Ritual Execution. Hell yeah. So just speaking uh, on your influences a little bit. So mm -hmm. internal suffering for me, Chaotic Matrix. I dug the shit out of that record. And oh, yeah. I remember thinking, because that was for me a little bit of a turning point too, because I was like, I don't know if I can relate to anybody else I know about this kind of music now that I'm getting into. Like it pushed me because before that it was, you know, the faceless and stuff that other people knew or could, you know, at least understand. But I was like, dude, I'm, uh, I'm down a fucking rabbit hole now, or, you know, I'm down a chaotic matrix hole now or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I remember Brodequin just also being kind of in that realm. And yeah, I, I just remember being like, Man, I just I just didn't know anybody that could that could handle it. <laughs> so and yeah. I love I still love that just hyper snare and I guess you know cryptopsy, but I right. don't know. It got pushed, it got pushed and and you know there's a lot of bands that that took it, you know. Um so I just wanted to comment that those are fucking sick influences. And I think one of the reasons I love embodied is because you're in that same vein of hyper blasting death metal the ultra brutal stuff um and then cindy i don't know if i know a single other female drummer who's attempted let alone you know executed that style so you know huge respect incredible oh yeah oh yeah mm -hmm. like no question just like man you can watch some uh you can watch some live footage from like 2015 when we were putting the album out there's like a full you know, there are like drum cams out there. You can see just just mercilessly like cranking on the uh, on the snare on that stuff. And it's like, you're right. Uh, there are not not a lot of women play like super aggressive death metal, uh, let mm -hmm. alone like push to that degree. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, let's um, be honest, not a, not a lot of people in general do that, like genders aside. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. she, she definitely she definitely pushed the envelope for everybody. And it's it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Like standing as just one of the sickest drummers in the genre for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, 100%. And then Matt, you know, I remember um, when my band uh, that I was in, Transcend the Realm, came up to Sacramento to play. This would have been 2016, maybe 2017. I think he had another project at the time, I want to say. I don't remember the name of the band, but I believe that he played the same show as us i think odious construct also played i could be mixing up a couple shows uh this was on the y and i remember him just being like a really cool guy i didn't i had never talked to him before that even though i'd seen you guys but i remember him being like going around the show with a tip jar just being like uh trying to get tips for the touring band which was just us mm. and i thought that was just such a cool thing for for him to do he i don't know if he had even played yet he was just trying to get get us support and so i thought that was a really really cool thing to do and um one of the things that made yeah. you know sacramento stand out as like a tour city but um yeah just so i just have you know good good vibes from from matt and i hope that him and cindy are both doing well i know that they've moved yeah. on at this point yeah yeah absolutely like matt's in washington now and um you know cindy's still in colorado um but uh you know um yeah it was it was tough like um when we were deciding you know to kind of get the band going again um 
she really wanted to do it and it was obviously like just a really tough decision when she eventually realized there's just too much responsibility in in taking care of you know two little kids and all this and that she just didn't have the space to commit to it um but like super grateful for everything that that she contributed um and you know she's always a part of the family for sure as for the record liturgies uh or sorry is it just liturgy of ritual execution yeah single yeah Yeah. Uh, okay singular um yeah so i i got the physical from you at the show last uh april and uh you know had a good nostalgia listening to it into the car in the car uh last you know a couple months um going back to when it was you know first out and i was listening to it a lot back then too um and it just it just stands out i mean there's a lot of uh brutal death metal but uh i don't know it just has a good sound uh it just has all the right ingredients man i think that um i mean definitely that sort of Brodequin influence and then i always got a little defeated sanity maybe just from the album cover and it has that kind of chapters album cover vibe too um but there was something that you know i could i could access it and and have a lot of fun with it um and i, I just still like that record a lot and well, uh yeah thank you i mean you know i obviously appreciate that a lot um mm-hmm. yeah i mean we shoot we poured a lot of ourselves into that album i uh i did all the tracking and took like basically a month and a half off of work to like <laughs> make everything work with it so it was a it was a big sacrifice and we all worked really hard on it but um yeah no it was exciting to to get it out there and i'm glad that we have it and um you know i'm also obviously pretty stoked on on what we're doing right now but um i was i was particularly happy with how things started to go like towards the end because the last couple songs we wrote were raidern and thrones of the slain and -hmm. i feel like if you put those two together that's like that really kind of shows like the whole vision of the band um, mm-hmm. where it's got like the, you know, kind of more, some of the more progressive elements and even the stuff we're working in like funeral doom parts um, along with like, you know, going as, as aggressively as we can. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, this is, we're definitely proud of it. Yeah. Um, so when I caught you guys first, I think it was the show on the tour with disentomb uh iniquitous deeds um remind me of the whole lineup in that tour and 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 what cerebral you effusion and delusional oh, parasitosis it was like i mean it's one of those it was like one of those bloodletting tours it was like uh, just a, a tour of of proportions that it's like hard to imagine that those five bands got together uh i mean i don't know you know not to be like not to be overly self-deprecating but like it feels a little silly like us lumping ourselves in with like <laughs> some of those guys but uh but it was incredible uh to be on that tour even though you know it was like a 12-day run which is a nice and uh, you know a nice little um nice yeah. little jaunt uh but it was it was just it was just awesome well, yeah. so you have Disentomb from Australia, you have Effusion from Italy, and then you have three or American three both fusions from Basque Country. Yeah. So oh. they'll you could say Spain, but uh, that would be offensive. So oh, <laughs> shit, I got it wrong, and I was gonna say 
Oh, I meant Spain, but I guess I would have been double wrong. So yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's like it's not, you know, we don't get a lot of education about the the whole situation there. But yeah, the Basques, the Basques, very significantly, like, or very often, um, do not identify as being, you know, part of Spain. So yeah, just a little PSA there. I'm gonna have to re, you know, go on Google Maps again as I do every day anyway, and you know peer into this but uh okay so regardless you've got you know uh three continents represented on this tour um and yeah i don't know if they've i mean it's cool this this year it seems like there are some sick sick tours uh going on that that represent you know multiple uh especially with chicago domination being the destination point so um but yeah that that was definitely one for the ages and we've talked about it a couple times on this podcast i bring it up uh i brought some friends who were not into death metal or had never been to a death metal show and i remember them looking up at the stage during one of the songs whatever was going on when we when when we got in and they just looked at me and they were just like they gave me the oh yeah like you know they fucking got it right away and these were like people who are open-minded but would probably go to like electronica shows you know and i was like so that so that you know that helped turn turn a couple of my friends on to it um it was just a hell of a good time um and then so i think i want to just come back to this so you played with defeated sanity and skinned and carnivore die what's that band Carnivoreprosopus. yeah diprosopus yeah um okay so that's the second time i saw you and the last i would say so so it was a cool little time when i was in sacramento uh, or i was in davis uh we didn't know each other, but I, I was there for three years. Um, shit, man, I wish I had known you and, and gotten to hang out at the time. Well, it's all right. I mean, you know, we know each other now and that's cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, that was that was a really exciting time for the band, obviously. That was like, you know, we were playing all the time and uh, we got to open for basically like every sick, brutal show that came through. Um, so that was really fun and uh you know and and along the way we got to do two really good tours so obviously that first nse tour in 2015 it it wasn't the first one but that the first one that we did Mm -hmm. and then um yeah and then the next year even though uh matt and cindy had moved out to colorado but we still linked up um and did that tour with omnipotent hysteria and face of oblivion and uh face of oblivion featuring uh jesse from incinerate so shout out also shout, shout out, out to jesse. all those guys because uh, we had a great time yeah. and oh, yeah. i love all those dudes but yeah mm-hmm. yeah dude um that's so sick man that's good 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 times and i was like sitting in my garage in davis playing an electric uh, actually this this very drum set right here this electric kit uh, um wishing I, I so i didn't have a car so anytime i wanted to go see a show in sack i would have to convince my punk friend to go see a death metal show with me uh which was pretty effective it worked a lot um and yeah so if i had a car if i had you know a little more access to the sacramento scene maybe i would have uh tried to jam with other people but i really was just working on chops and you know doing the grad school thing which as you know is a lot of time um, oh yeah and mostly trying to like not obsess about music, which was unsuccessful. So, yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Um, okay, but then we can kind of get into the the modern era of the band at this point. So you're back from a hiatus. So what what uh, what's why why is why now why is this the right time for Embodied Torment to make the comeback? Well, um, shoot. I mean, you know, I I basically um, I spent a few years um, like as a statewide union officer. Um, which, you know, is like a whole story in and of itself. But, um, but like, that's one of those things that really takes like every waking moment. And, uh, it was really hard to do anything else. Um, although I, I did manage, I did manage to play live with Brodekin for those three, you know, for three of those years, uh, consistently. So that, that was a blast. Um, but, uh, you know, my time in office was over and I was really trying to like, kind of pick myself back up off the floor because I was just totally burnt out and exhausted after all that. Um, mm -hmm. But what I knew that I wanted to get back to was playing music again. Um, so, you know, the thing I mentioned earlier, like there were moments where I wasn't sure if I was really going to get back to it. Like I thought, well, maybe I'll just make a career in in uh, organized labor. And like, it's just, you know, I'll be proud of what I did. And, and that'll be the, the end of the story. But um, but no, I'm I, uh, you know, once once I decided that that I was going to take a step back, um, I was like, no, I've got this real drive uh, to put out new music. Like we had one kind of unfinished song left from like, you know, basically like we had written, you know, a draft of it in late 2015. And I mm -hmm. was like, you know, let's just pick it up and go. Um, yeah. So. So, uh, yeah. So you know i ended up like talking to cindy talking to mark and uh you know we uh decided like all right let's do this and um yeah so you know pumped out the three new songs and we were kind of determined that that like if we were going to come back um we had you know we didn't have a big back catalog so we really need to like show people like where we're at and what we intend to do um mm -hmm. so wrote the three new songs and decided we were going to record it and try and get on on the road. And so now that's why we've got uh, archaic bloodshed coming out next month. And uh, I just got word that the CDs are finished pressing at the facility. So they're actually getting sent out like right now. So, um, so they're imminently on the way and um, yeah, we'll get a chance to play all the new music for people and we're going to, you know, uh, do this run concluding with Chicago Domination Fest, which I'm just super gratified to be able to play and, um, yeah, play with some incredible bands. So I'm going to pull yeah, that up good. right here. I believe this is the complete lineup for Chicago Domination Fest, which we are an official sponsor of. So if you look at the bottom left, you'll see Cali Death Podcast right there. And at the top, you'll see headliners Defeated Sanity, Mortician Origin, and you can find Embodied Torment on. Uh, is that, I don't know if Center this is, left. yeah, I was going to say yeah. this isn't the Friday though. Like the left isn't Friday. All yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not exactly like, it's not totally lined up day it's by not day. lined up. No, but, um, it, I guess in terms of, um, like prestige or whatever, we, we, we go up to the, the bigger bands and, uh, and you guys are, you know pretty solidly in a good ass list of bands here with amazing fucking you know it's probably the 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 
it's it might be the best death metal fest of at least the last 20 years maybe so yeah it's it's a pretty incredible lineup like i mean what yeah. a you know <laughs> what an addition to go out on like yeah for crap. sure yeah shout out miguel for going eight years strong deciding to make this the final one um i'm sure he'll keep a foot or two in the game as a promoter uh, i know he's going to texas so maybe we'll see something happen down there but certainly for chicago um it's been a sick ass run i was happy to be there last year this year i was invited uh to perform with a band it didn't work out budget uh issues uh so i'm not able to play and I was still thinking of going, but I ended up taking a gig with The Last of Lucy. I'm going to just plug my own shit right here. So if you are not at Chicago, you really should go to Domination Fest. But if you happen to be in Southern California, come out, uh, see Narcotic Wasteland, you know, Dallas from Niles, new band or newish band he's had for a long time uh, with Gorgatron and then my band, The Last of Lucy, will be playing. And we got support from Menominate. And then Tegmentum are touring uh, with Narcotic and Gorgatron as well. And they're on this tour, uh, on this date as well. So that's a Friday, July 28th at Supply and Demand in Long Beach. Uh, we'll be there lamenting that we're all not in Chicago, basically. So, um, um, and well, that's yeah. a great lineup. Sorry. That's a good consolation prize. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, just speaking of Texas, there is a festival in Texas as well um, that's run by a partner of Miguel's um, yeah. called Gord in the Heart of Texas. So that's still going to go on, I, I hope, for a couple of years. So, Yeah. And this year's Gord has Brodequin, I believe, and yeah. uh, some sick other bands. Jassad and... Jassad, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um... I can't remember anybody else, but... Yeah, it's the homie Skyler uh, putting that one on. He's a good, good friend. Yeah. Um, I'm in his other band. I'm in his band too. So. Oh yeah. Oh, so are you with Reviled right now? Yeah, yeah. I'm in nice. Reviled. I recorded the bass for the new album. Yep. Oh, sick dude. Um, yeah. We had we had Brennan on. What's up, Casey? Uh, Welcome yeah. back. Um, we had Brennan on of like ten or so episodes ago. Um, yeah. We should have, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm sure there will be, you know, still a strong ecosystem of underground death metal fests even after Chicago is, is over. Um, Casey, we were just talking about um, how these dudes are playing Chicago Domination Fest. Uh, oh, nice. We did the little plug. Um, how's the uh, how's the drums going, man? What have you been working on? Uh, I'm making a video for each song that's unlisted like like i can't put them public yet but uh that's how i like put it together so for which 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 band is this retromorphosis yes yeah and what's the next week dude what's the lineup dude uh yeah (laughs) i don't know hey everybody can you is that better (laughs) yeah we can hear you i just i want to i want to get hype bro sorry Uh, yeah so it's uh a lot of work it's great though it's it's fun as fuck uh just been practicing and uh working this week and i got time off next week and so i'm driving up next wednesday but blah 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 so yeah six songs in the bag i just finished uh the there's nine total so are you still yes. just playing to the guitar pros right now 
Yeah. That, uh, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's the four guys who were on the last Bonnet Possession record, uh, yeah. minus the OG drummer. Uh, well, yes. minus that drummer, and Casey is the drummer. Yeah. So. It's Amazing. super weird. Yeah. It's, it's wow. insane. Yeah. It's super fun. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, a lot it's a it's not easy dude and you, you have to it? yourself because like like preparing for like that like you like like your fingers can get blistered and shit so i have to like do a couple songs and then like stop and like wait for my finger to like callus and heal and then do it next day a couple it's like a lot of mm. it's, it's like a long train it's crazy but uh yeah it's it's fun it's sick fun, so. uh dude i can't wait i also you were saying in the chat you were you were doing all the all the blasts single foot like 240 bpm why are you doing single foot are you just yeah. trying to punish yourself or just just the split blasts yeah like, not like suffo blasts because that's just weird yeah but, i know yeah but um but yeah you're going old school um, dennis wanted me to try that and do that and uh it's like no problem except the like once you get to 240 it's like it's a problem a little bit <laughs> it's fine it's fine but it's like so chaotic it's like just to like it's like you start doing the bounce i don't i don't want to do the bounce but it's just like what happens i don't know yeah it's kind of like like one footing at that speed is weird but it's it's sick and so yeah you gotta i'm trying you know everything below that's fine <laughs> but like two yeah. four sucks one foot <laughs> a little bit so. that's that's so sick dude i i can't wait to hear this record i've had the demo guitar pro demo material and uh, I actually don't have them anymore. I don't know what happened. I think got a new phone. Um, so I just have to wait like every other sucker out here. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be sick as fuck. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know. It, 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 it's not like Spawn, like crazy, like like all the time. It's like like Spawn meets Cannibal or something, or Spawn meets more mm. kind of thing. But there's like a lot of fast. It's like fast double bass. Like it's like, I don't know. It's, it, it's just like a not, it's not like, you know, hyper blasting at 300 beats a minute like you know kind of like that kind of thing there, there's fast blasts like 250 and stuff and stuff will blast like super fast and it's definitely has the spawn thing but it's not like i don't know it's like similar but it's like but like they like they have those sections but like there's like parts that are drawn out that are just like fast double bass like grooving like, like morbid angel would do or something like that or like heavy it's just different it's kind of cool it's like it's like pretty different it's not like the same exact project you know hard to put into words and i think we all just are going to hear it and yeah have our impressions but i mean we all want more bristling riffs for sure oh, oh yeah no it's so sick Absolutely. Mm -hmm. so i haven't even heard the solos or anything christian's doing at all and i know erlin's recording bass i still haven't listened to it but it's like on the dropbox but yeah nice be fun Fuck yeah, man. Um, so we were kind of um before you hopped on talking about how the how embodied are getting ready to do this run, uh nice. go, leading to Chicago, that they're the EPs coming out, the CDs are printed and Sick. are shipping soon. Thanks. Um I know you linked me the EP, Joaquin. I haven't listened to it yet. I should have, but I'm excited to get my little sneak preview um 
but yeah um just to sort of uh just to sort of tease the audience if you have listened to the the track that's out right now that's like the that's the easy listening one oh, just okay. so you know just so you know that's it, it gets a little it gets a little uh we we kind of up the ante on the other tracks but uh but we wanted something that would give people sort of a a gentle introduction uh to what the ep would sound like yeah nice that nice. so that that was enough time for me to collect my thoughts and i wanted to definitely bring up that you have alex cohen as yes. your drummer and he recorded and also has played live with you guys uh on the was it two two or three shows you had yeah we did two shows so i got to see alex play uh i guess you guys did a mix of the more classic stuff at this point plus some of the new material mm -hmm. um and that was with david on bass so i didn't get to see mark but um true i mean yeah. fucking you guys killed it it was a sick show and alex blew me away for sure i've seen him play with malignancy um but getting to see him play the embodied stuff it was a goddamn clinic man and i was with some drum friends we were just nerding out on on how sick cohen is so congrats on landing him and uh, uh, alex did phenomenal can't i mean i can't say enough good things um you know i mean i i love you know the opportunity to work with everyone um everyone who was like part of the ep and uh, also like big shout out to david for um for like relearning all the old stuff and and you know helping us out because uh, mark was you know getting married oh, when shit. we had these comeback shows so you know he had a perfectly perfectly good excuse and uh congratulations but uh but you know, we, it, it's just, it was kind of a long story, but we ended up, um, like all, you know, agreeing as a group, we should go ahead with the, with the shows, even with the schedule conflict. And so, um, you know, really grateful to David for helping us out on that. And, um, yeah. And like, you know, there were times when, like when we were just rehearsing and so on, uh, and, and even, and of course, definitely when you're playing live and you don't have like the opportunity to really like, to really, um, like take stock of how everyone's doing and then you see the the clips from the show that people are posting and you're like wow man like these these guys are really killing it um so it was you know i was really happy with how everyone did and uh and i'm always hard on myself but but i'm just glad that that uh those shows went well and it gave us you know a chance to kind of break things in and get ready for these um you know these six dates that we have coming up next month yeah man um nice. alex alex had to like catch a flight like right after your set it was so funny i wanted to just go and be like hey man six set literally didn't even have enough time for that he was just like i got a flight he just like walked out of the venue running from the throne day. to his yeah. uh, to his you know to his like car waiting to take him to the airport <laughs> yeah exactly it, i yeah i literally didn't even get to say six set and i had me and a few like younger drum homies that all wanted to punish him we probably would have punished him into the ground but um yeah he fucking killed it um yeah. and dude he he'll post he'll be just like oh yeah hey guys just invented a new blast beat here it is sure. it's like septuplets on this hand and then it's between the tom and then you do this with your left and, th and it's crazy man he's inventing like more drum beats every day than most drummers ever invent in their whole life and uh honestly it, i don't even know like like i don't even know how far i can go down that world 
into that world of you know polyrhythm blast beats but i'm sure like you know in 20 years um, i'm glad that someone like alex is around to have invented them all and i'll probably be like damn it he already got that oh, he already used that like he's he's out there he's a pioneer in the in, in extreme metal for in drumming for sure so absolutely yeah 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 i agree yeah so you mark have you had the chance to play with alex yet or are you just waiting for the tour for the first chance uh, so i've i've played live with alex once but i was doing vocals i uh i did a guest use at uh, cdf5 and alex was playing drums and then alex and i did the disambiguation single by involuntary convulsion um mm. so that's the only other time i've played with alex but we've hung out multiple times so gotcha yeah all right um maybe you want to also just shout out the vocalist of the new embodied tournament lineup yeah yeah not to uh not to like leave andy out um so uh andy smith he's been playing with um you know he's been doing the vocals in the band splattered who are you know an east bay like brutal death metal institution um you know uh like i knew andy for a long time because he also played with logistic slaughter uh before he joined splattered and you know logistic and splattered were like two of the bands that were go-to's when embodied you know if we wanted to set up a show it's like these were two of of the homies we were going to hit up first um so we played lots of shows with them you know all super cool guys uh we knew andy he was a friend of ours and um when we were there's there's kind of like a long you know story behind this which i'm like never gonna even get into but um but long story made short, um, Andy was going to help us out by like basically, you know, pinch hitting on these two, these two comeback shows. And like one thing led to another. And then it was like, hey, what do you think about uh, recording, you know, the parts on the EP? And uh, and then he did that and went really well. And we're like, we really liked working together on these shows. We're like this is it, man. Uh, we, we're really gelling. Uh, this is awesome. You know, it was, it was like, he killed it live. He sounds great, uh, on the EP. So yeah, Andy's our man going forward and, uh, he's just been a great addition to the band. Sick. Yep. He killed it live when I saw them, when I saw you guys, uh, yeah. Excited to hear the rest of the EP and he with splattered. He can do some, real low lows like really low <laughs> oh yeah so, no he gets putrid yeah. absolutely i was trying to come up with the right descriptive term for it but yeah putrid's pretty good yeah really gut spilling kind of guttural stuff so the right fit i would say um and then i just remember i'm trying to you know i'm fucking fishing now for little tidbits to mention i know that you were posting about how you just quad tracked the album on guitar yeah yeah so i mean okay so i i actually did kind of like an overabundance of of guitar tracking there were tons and tons of these um tracks that we had available to us in the studio ended up like not really making use of of all the tracks um i mean like I could probably go on and on 
about guitar tone and about, you know, I mean, it's, it's sort of an endless quest. Like I'm never going to be fully happy with anything, uh, that I do on some level. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, the concern when you, when you multi-track and for those who aren't like familiar with, um, guitar tracking terminology, like quad tracking generally just means that, um, that you're recording two guitar tracks, like per side, Mm-hmm. um or two ch- or you know two per channel so to speak so like i you know i have guitar one guitar two um i recorded them twice made sure that the that the takes were tight um you know did what i had to to, to make sure to put it all together and um you know we we ended up like not using the the b tracks as much i feel like there's almost like an opportunity to do something in the future with that but mm. um but uh but actually i was pretty happy with with how it how it came out um so you know i could nerd out about the production process and and tracking for forever but um it's because it's definitely a challenge to try and record like two takes especially with stuff that is like a lot of like articulated palm mute parts um with like just loads and loads of like eighth note riffing at like 300 plus bpm um it would be really easy for things to just get super super smeared and there are uh you know certain limits to what you can really like how tight you can get some of this stuff without like faking it um but uh but i was pretty happy with how it how it ended up uh coming out on it was it to a click or is it off the grid no no yeah yeah i mean we used a click uh for sure I think if if we had like there's so many tempos that if we had tried doing things without a click, it would have just been just a total total disaster. Um, You know, even like even, you know, the the Tongue of Iron, the last song on the on the EP, like it's only got one tempo change. And that is like a wild outlier, like, you know, Grasping Salvation is is the video that we have out. And that one has got like, it's got like six tempos or something like that. Um, loads of, of time signature changes. So it's just, you know, and it's and it's not like in an overly convoluted um, sort of way. Uh, but it's, but nonetheless, like it does mix things up a lot. And so, yeah, it would have just like fallen apart if it wasn't on a click. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I think I we mean... should have like a brief tempo talk. I don't know. <laughs> Like, like, it's kind of funny. It's like 300. It's like, it's just eighth notes. Like, don't worry about it. And it's like, <laughs> but these are like, you know, if you told like, like a normal musician, like play eighth notes and they're like, okay, one and two and 300 beats a minute. It's just like so insane. It's like, I mean, yeah. we have to think of it that way if, if we're playing fast stuff because it's like, you know, there's like so, so much ink on the page or like, you know, kind of thinking of that stuff. But like, you would just say that's 150 beats a minute and play 16th notes, you know, and it's like, you know but it's just kind of funny it's like i don't know like like these tempos and stuff and man i hate tempos this <laughs> week i'm just like hating tempos no just joking. <laughs> but it's my tempo rant i don't know what do you guys think you know tempo flexing 300 beats a minute 150 if you're playing 64th notes or 32nd <laughs> like you know it doesn't matter you got to keep, you got to keep, yeah, I don't, uh, none of this, oh, 300 is just 150. No, 300 is 300. Yeah. Because you need to keep the the eighth note with one limb 
barometer for for the speed right. thing yeah yeah, so yeah. It, if, it's, it, if it's, it's it's all based on the feel so mm -hmm. if if the um if the pulse if the pulse is like this you know that's that's probably your fourth note you know that's probably your quarter note mm -hmm. and so like that tells you you know what kind of tempo range you're going to be in and and it's just you know you can't i don't know i don't know i mean that's that's how i look at it anyway no um, it's, it's because here's why i think is because to record to play that fast you need like a eh, 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 you need like the click to be like fast enough to fucking hear what's going on and so that like dig it dig it dig it that becomes your eighth note and that's your six so that's why three, 300 beats a minute like a quarter note it's like or whatever like dig, 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 you know it's like super mm. fast you know yeah so that's pretty much why because it's you have to record right you know uh, kinda. Yeah. i mean yeah there are some songs where lucy does uh where we we technically in the in the daw it's 150 or 144 or whatever yeah um the and the click is click 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 but um i just if i'm talking to somebody i say it's 300 or 292 or whatever yeah um because you know at that point yeah yeah you know like to slower click to like you know you know i yeah i'm usually i'm not really picky about clicks like i'll usually just take whatever our my guitarist gives me as a as a backing track or whatever demo track it's rare that i have to ask for something different um but I, I do kind of like a, a slower pulse. Uh, it can be tricky, though. You're right. Sometimes you lose it if you're like playing so many notes yeah. in between. I see it's what you nice, mean. Nice, but yeah, click, it, can click, be, click. it can be tough. The sl slower pulse, yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's like more grid, grid lines if you have like like a or like a yeah faster kind of pulse. What's for sure underrated though is a eight four time eight four. Eight four yeah. is the way to go when you're writing in Guitar Pro Ugh. and you're writing at fast tempos. Because if you're writing in four four and anything above two forty or whatever, oh, the yeah. bars the bars don't even capture Too like fast. a musical idea. Yeah. And I want my right. bars to capture yeah. an idea. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I noticed, you know, I think early on when I first got a hold of like some of the stuff that was pushing tempos past like 260 or so i was like yeah. this is losing some of the feeling of like how people have traditionally written riffs for some of the like you know sort of traditionally fast tempos and um there's just there's just like a different um there's a different sort of pulse to it there's a different sort of emphasis um and it takes like often you'll need to like sort of change the orientation a little bit and i think um you know some bands like do this more than others where they'll really like lean into the tempo uh lean into these extreme tempos in and it'll actually change how they write versus like someone who writes you know who's just playing like a more old-fashioned kind of riff and then just speeds it way way up mm -hmm. um and being like deliberate and being able to hear like both you know kind of both ways of doing it because sometimes you might want to um play something that sounds like a more old-fashioned riff that's sped way up and like a great example of a band like that would be uh, i think they're from finland it's called uh concrete winds like they're just like it's got almost like um it's similar it's a similar phenomenon to that old band merciless um from sweden 
um, that was just like super, super fast death thrash. And like, you could just hear like really, really fast speed picking and stuff like that. And they would be playing, they'd be pushing at tempos that were kind of, um, you know, uh, if, if you really listen to like some of the early creator, like stuff on pleasure to kill that's being played, like the beat is way faster than normal in that style. Mm-hmm. And, um, like not a lot of bands did that because it's difficult to to create uh it's difficult to create parts in that sort of tempo around the methods that people were using like in thrash metal at the time and um but uh but sometimes you can create this like frantic feeling and once you like once you kind of figure out like how you're going to use these different feelings from playing and adjusting parts to different tempos, you can manipulate that, uh, you know, more intentionally. And it's not just, you know, it's not just the same thing, but now you're just pushing it faster. It's you're actually, you can kind of do something different. Um, and sometimes it means like, you know, use different note groupings or, or whatever. Um, so that like, I, I really geek out about that stuff because once, you know, especially once like embodied started pushing past like the, you know, two fifties and we were like, we want to, we want to push to like Brodekin tempos or orchidectomy tempos, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the other kind of style you were mentioning, it sounds to me like maybe like more like cryptopsy, what they'll do, or they'll just be like, da, 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 da. And then, it's not that fast on the guitar, but then it's just like, you know, the, the drums yeah. basically double the, the guitar riff. Um, it's like the first riff on blasphemy. It just does that. Right. And then, yeah. Is that kind of the example of the other thing where it's like, it is kind of like meant to be a hyper blast and the guitars aren't trying to like really keep up so much as just play a riff that sounds good under a hyper blast or something like that. I don't know that's yeah i mean i could see that particular song like kind of having gone either way and it would be Mm. it'd be really interesting to hear from those guys like if they can think back to you know 93 or whatever yeah (laughs) um to think about like what was going through their heads but uh um yeah you know like sometimes uh, you know if you if you are listening to like classic you know morbid angel or something like that that's like pushing into the into the low like 200s and it's just classic aggressive death metal um yeah you can you can kind of you can kind of hear it either way when you compare it to something like cryptopsy where you could mm-hmm. say like in a sense they're kind of just they're kind of just playing the same sort of part because the the melodic line is like accelerated um whereas you know they could have they could have drawn it out in different ways and said like, Oh, we're going to play four notes here instead of two now, or we're going to play, you know, eight instead of four or something like that. But you know, it's, uh, there are a lot of different, um, you know, I mean, this is sort of like the art of it is like playing with these different feelings and seeing like what they do and then, and then getting enough of a sense that you create like a palette for it. Man, I miss like, I love fucking when the skank beat comes in, in the middle of a tech mm-hmm. death or brutal death record that hasn't had one in like three songs or whatever underrated yeah. there's yeah. one lucy song on the new record of 10 songs there's only one song with skanks um but i had to throw it in so yeah 
just to, yeah. to, to harken back to like the morbid angel style of, you know, you got to have those skank beats in there once in a while. Like Luke LeMay said, dude, like no skank beat <laughs> on the corrosion, right? Or, or, uh, no, no, on, on uh, Obscura. Was it right. no skanks on that? Yeah, that's what he said. He was like, no, that skanks. Might be right, yeah. no skanks, no power chords, right? Yeah, well, I think it was power chords. What was it? It was something else, but it wasn't okay. the skink beats. And uh, oh no, tremolo picking. No, no, like you know, mm. you know. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, Ricky from Discord called him polka beats. He said he, he beats, you know, yeah. fuck polka beats. He didn't want to play the skank beat. And there's no there. If you listen to the first demo on of Discord, um, Womb Full of Scabs, he plays a skank on the. Da, da, na, 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 riff, but he right. fucking took that shit out real fast and never really? came back into Discord ever again. Yeah. Oh my goodness, dude. So I'm 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 not with Ricky on this. I I like my skanks, but I can see why it wouldn't be in Discord. But you know, yeah, yeah. You can you can definitely create like a, a certain kind of texture by like never using it. I mean that was well, that, and that was also instrumental to like you know all the the um you know formative like gorgasm releases was mm -hmm. like okay everywhere there would be a skank it's just a blast instead you know yeah that's sort of yeah stuff. yeah 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 but the, no it's like that sometimes sometimes that does exactly it, the right thing to to let like you're letting it breathe but you're actually like but sometimes you're giving people like that that moment to headbang like and with just the right sort of just the right sort of feel that like breaks up the blasting and it's not just that it's a reprieve like it, it almost sometimes it, it sometimes it almost feels like it has more energy mm. and uh you know like very much in that morbid angel style like vader is, is a band that would do like occasionally just brilliant um like a brilliant brilliant stretches where they go from skank to blast or vice versa like a, a song like Silent Empire, you know, does that so, so well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes it has just the right energy. We do basically none of that on, <laughs> on, on uh, Archaic Bloodshed, unless, unless you, unless you count it at, at like the tempos that, that are on like Tongue of Iron. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's so fast that it's like a, it's like a dark funeral blast beat instead. So it's like, it's a different feel. Mm -hmm. um but it sort of counts so <laughs> right on well i just uh think we're hitting two hours i think we've been going a pretty good length so i want to ask one more question uh i did want to find out because you've posted about the themes of the songs that have been released so far i guess of the one single and maybe Damn, now I'm trying to remember why where I've seen you post thematic content before. Uh, maybe it was older stuff or maybe it was preview material. But um, basically, I know that you are inspired by your history, kind of expertise for the record uh, or for the material in Embodied Torment. And so I just wanted you to maybe touch on uh, what, what's, what to expect on the upcoming EP, like in terms of content or theme for each of the songs, uh, maybe, yeah, yeah. So you, you've already done a Facebook post about the single, but maybe you can include yeah. that one in the here as well. It's just four songs. So maybe you can hit them all. Yeah. 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 Well, even just three, but, uh, um, oh, yeah. 
but so you know archaic bloodshed starts with um it, basically it it um you know it bounces back and forth in sort of historical periods and each one each song is focused on a different um sort of episode in history in a different sort of moment of you know really um uh really extreme sort of like inhumanity um the first one is called deconsecration of the monolith and this one is about the ninth century bce um so you know in the old dating system bc so Mm -hmm. um about like i think it was 883 uh the neo-assyrian empire puts down a rebellion in the city of suru and uh the assyrians were you know notoriously bad dudes uh very um you know very very severe um kind of repression um for any kind of rebellions and and like really really brutal policies enacted on their enemies and uh they were um you know famous conquerors so they put down the city and it's this is based on just uh, on a um on a transcript from uh, Ashurbanipal II, who was the king of of Assyria at the time, mm-hmm. um, describing the rededication of the uh, stone monoliths from being basically the basically taking them from being dedicated to Marduk and instead dedicating them to Ashur, the chief god of Assyria, and uh, you know all of the punishments enacted on the civilians of the city. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty grim stuff involves lots of like limbs being taken and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the second song is the song that we've already got on the preview track, grasping salvation. And, uh, that one is about the, it's, it starts with an episode of the 30 years war in Germany. Well, principally we, we talk about it today is principally Germany, but it was Germany, the Czech Republic, parts of other countries as well. Um, all throughout central europe and it was one of the most devastating conflicts of the last thousand years easily and um you know in some places as many as perhaps arguably like 90 percent of the population was killed um and uh starts with the sack of the city of magdeburg which is in kind of northeast germany um today and uh it starts with you know the terrible things that were done there and then it zooms out to the whole horror of of the theater of war um, writ large. And then the final song is called Tongue of Iron. And that one is about um, the Saxon Wars under Charlemagne. So, you know, very uh, well-known historical figure. Uh, but in the 770s, 780s, up through the early 800s, um, his uh, empire in what was called West Francia at the time by some, or you know the the Carolingian Empire, the Frankish Empire, um, was engaged in a policy of conquest in what we think of today as northern Germany um, over the Saxons, and the Saxons there related to the Saxons in England. Mm-hmm. Um, but not precisely, you know, not precisely the same. Obviously, they were, this is not a conquest of England. It's a conquest in northern Germany. Um, but this describes uh, what was called the Blood Court of Verden, in which 4,500 Saxons were executed in a single day. And uh, there's some historical dispute about that, but um, generally it's, it's presumed to be pretty plausible um, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, even that horrific number um, were actually murdered uh, all at once. And, uh, so, you know, you can, you can definitely read more in the lyrics and, you know, we post the stuff online, so you can 
check it out on our social media and all that. That's rad, dude. dude. I I think someone from Brodequin posts uh, about their songs, and I think I mixed up them posting with you, and that's why I thought I had seen you do it multiple times. But I'm thinking now I've just seen you talk about the the single Grasping Salvation, and then I'm expecting now to see maybe some posts on the other two. But oh, we um, we actually um, we do have posts on all three. Uh, oh, okay. but we'll probably we'll probably share them because it's been a little while. But you're right. Yeah, like Jamie posts some good stuff on the Brodekin page okay. about like moments in history and uh, particularly, you know, on on the subject of uh, public execution and such. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Gotcha. Well, sick. What a fucking jolly good theme to close out on, dude. Yeah. It's uh really sick to, you know, have a band that doesn't shy away from, you know, our actual history and uh you know i've always appreciated bands that 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 are rooted in in reality um i think i think it's it's fucking rad um i wish i knew more history and then i would try it myself but uh (laughs) (laughs) maybe i could consult with you on something someday but uh well hey you know what one of the things that i think is is uh I guess I guess what makes it fun for me is this sort of like middle brow character of it. It's not exactly high brow because we're playing some kind of, you know, we're playing stuff that's kind of low brow in its own way. It's got this like, you know, rough uh sort of rough character to it. Uh but I don't know. There's something about like playing this really barbaric music with uh, you know, but then like trying to take it really seriously. And just playing with those, uh, that relationship is is a blast. So, you know, I hope people enjoy it. Definitely. All right. Well, you heard it here. There's a new Embodied Torment release coming out. Which day exactly? Uh, it'll be available June 21st or july 21st sorry june 21st already happened yeah um as far as on the label side um new standard elite should be posting uh should be making it available fairly soon uh but we're gonna have copies as soon as we hit the road um so the first date is july 22nd we're playing in brooklyn with pyrexia animals killing people um thetis and fire haze and then it's just you know off to the races uh for the other five dates um, so you can definitely get them from us, but also um, New Standard Elite is going to have the the pre-orders open uh, fairly soon. Hell yeah. Sick, man. Um, thank you so much, Mark and Joaquin, for coming on. I think we're going to wrap things up here. So um, let's see. I'm not Anthony. Anthony usually yeah. has to wrap up. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, wait. There was something I, I flagged from... Uh, um, here uh ian from sick drummer asked about the orchidectomy release where can i get it i think that's the orchidectomy album right a prelates mm-hmm. attrition mark you know anything about where you can get that cd or any copy of it i think your uh, volume's down yeah there we go i think ossuary index has a couple copies um, there's not much left out in the world. It's it's one of those we made it through and that was it. Um, but you know, I might know some things. So if people want to message me privately, I might be able to help them out. So, so. okay. But, yeah, oh, that finding was... an actual copy difficult. <laughs> 
Right on. Um, Definitely for a repress. <laughs> sick. Well, uh, never gonna happen. <laughs> uh, comeback confirmed. Okay. Um, so yeah, thanks everybody for listening. I guess I'll do the sign off thing. So, uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can see my box of shirts. It's always behind me. Help me get rid of this box so we can order another one on calidethpodcast.bigcartel.com. Uh, if you're watching live on Twitch, uh, come back next week. If you're listening on audio or YouTube, uh, come check us out live. We love to interact with you all. And um, yes, yes. Anything else, dude? I don't know, dude. I think uh, you got right. it. Let's run the outro. All right. See y'all later. Peace. Cheers. Thanks for having us, guys.